0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I love the church. Uh, I've been in the church uh, my whole life. And uh, when I was five years old, uh, I have two younger brothers. Uh, They were three and eight weeks old at the time. Life was planted when uh, Dad returned home to New Zealand and Mum and Aussie came with him and all of us boys in tow in 1991. It's just incredible to see what God is doing. And this is an extension of what God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for your incredible lead pastors. Can we honour Pastor Tony, Pastor Kath, the whole Rainbow family, come on, for paving away. way. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here, just like it is for me with Pastor Paul and Marie. And <clears throat> it's, a, it's an honour to be reminded to give honour where honour is due, because if there weren't people that went before us, we wouldn't be here, and uh, I've got one wife, that's a good thing, Uh, she is actually Canadian, and uh, we have three beautiful children, if you want to see what they look like, uh, I'm sure it'll be on social media somewhere, so you can find that, but uh, we just love building God's house, and uh, from a very young age, knew that God had called me to build his house, and whatever that looked like, I was really sold out to doing that and today I want to take a few moments to share some thoughts out of a parable in the Bible found in Matthew 20. And uh, if you don't if you're not too familiar about parables, Jesus taught in parables and simply if I can boil it down the reason he did this was he wanted to take the enormity, the complexity, the amazingness, if that's even a word, of the kingdom of heaven and explain to people like you and I how it works here on earth. And I'm passionate about the church not because it's a great happy clappy club on a Sunday where we have some great Christian karaoke, we get some motivation from a message, and then we go back into our work week and nothing's changed. No, this is the hope of the world. And when Jesus taught, he taught in a way that challenged you and I to take a look at where we're at, make a decision about where we want to go, and then give us keys and steps to walk along that journey. It would be a whole lot easier If we were all robots and just God made us do what he needed us to do in the sense of that reality. But I am thankful we have a God that loves us so much. He gives us free will and gives us the choice to make the decisions. Because when you make a decision and see the benefit of it, it means something to you. And we're all here because of the decisions we've made, and good on you for making it here in the room or you there online. I see you, and uh, I'm believing that today God's going to speak to every one of us. But this parable uh, is a really important parable, Matthew 20, because uh, it talks of a scenario or situation that teaches you and I some truths and some good and not so good realities of life in terms of decisions we need to make. And so if you've got your Bible, which would be a good thing because you are in church, uh, why don't you turn to page 789 if you've got a Bible like mine. But it says this uh, in Matthew 20, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. I notice Adelaide, there's a lot of vineyards around here. So this is quite prevalent for this city right now. Verse 2, this guy who was the landowner agreed to pay the normal daily wage and he was sent out to work at 9 o'clock. So we're talking a whole day here. In the morning, this landowner was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So these guys, too, went on to work in the vineyard. Now at noon, and again at 3 o'clock, this landowner did the exact same thing. So 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., he went into the marketplace and did the same thing. Fast forward a few more hours at 5 (laughs) o'clock. This is really interesting to me. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again. And he saw some more people standing around and he asked them, yo, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, well, because we're standing here and no one hired us. The landowner told them, 5 p.m., the landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. And then that evening, verse 8, he told the foreman to call all the workers together. So you can picture the story. There are people getting hired from the marketplace throughout the day, and then at the end of the day, they get all called together to be paid. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers and to pay them, beginning with the last workers first. This is interesting. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. So they had worked for one hour and they got a full day's wage. Watch now verse 10. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Oi, those people... They only worked one hour, yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. Verse 13, the landowner answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Wasn't it you that agreed at 6am to work for a full day's wage? Take your money and go. (laughs) I want to... To pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to other people? And then verse 16. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. If you're looking for a title of the message, it's simply this. Back to front. Back to front to front. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we've worshipped you, you've inhabited the praise of your people. Your word declares we're two or three in the midst under the name of Jesus, you are here. We pray this wouldn't just be another church service. I pray this wouldn't just be another message I preach or another message we hear, but Holy Spirit, you would speak in and through my life to every single one of us. We truly ask that you would have your way in and through our lives in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where your uh, impatience comes to the fore. You're standing in line, and if you're like me, I am a fairly impatient person. It doesn't take much for me to get a little hot under the collar. Have I got any friends? A few people. Pastor Danny? Yeah, good. (laughs) I see you. (laughs) And there's that moment where you're standing in line, and you're waiting, and then someone else cuts in front this is a test of your salvation. (laughs) What do I do here? I'm from Auckland. That's where I live. Uh, There is a lot of traffic. And if there's one thing that gets me going, it's traffic. Because what I can do one day outside of the traffic peak hours in 10 minutes, it somehow seemingly takes 50 minutes. And I'm being a law-abiding Christian citizen, sitting in my lane in the traffic like a good young Christian boy, and out of nowhere, down the side lane, someone has the cheek to cut in front of me. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, I'm going to give you the honk for Jesus. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to give you the Christian wave. No, 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 we won't do that. But there's this, there's this moment where every single one of us has this innate thing in us to want to be first. I'll never forget uh, flying from one uh, domestic terminal to another in New Zealand with Melissa, my wife, and truth be told, it was probably my fault that we were running a little bit late, and we come around the corner of the customs area, and there is a long line, and we are not just a little late, we are late, and I'm sitting in the line, uh, standing in the line, getting fidgety, and Missy's like, it's okay, you know, they're not going to leave without us, I'm like, oh, we're pretty late, you know, and it's like, like any good husband, I, I asked my wife to go find out if we could cut the line, you know, I don't want to ask, but hey, you go for it. (laughs) And uh, the answer was no. And then I I, I deem this lady an angel. This angel came out of nowhere, one of the airport staff, and she yelled down the line, is there anyone on the flight back to Auckland in this line? Because there at the time was three flights leaving from this one area. And so there was a lot of people that were there early for their flight, for the other flights. And it was an angel moment because it was like, "Woohoo, pick me, pick me. And I, I remember it because I got the little bollard taken out of the way and me and Missy stepped into a lane that wasn't being used. And as we walked past, everyone else waiting in line, I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, we're awesome. Like, there's this innate ability to want to be first. But we find in this parable that actually the way Jesus teaches you and I to live kingdom way is a back-to-front kind of life here on earth. That if we would actually live our lives in a disposition of being back of the queue to prefer others, God will make sure our lives are always front of the line. The tension for you and I is whether we will activate this here on earth. I believe fundamentally God wants you to win. I believe he wants you and I to live a life that every single day is a life where we get up and we want to win. I don't think I've ever met someone that gets up and says, man, today I can't wait to lose. It doesn't happen. We are designed to win. God wants us to win, but the catch for me is this. I don't think we can win at all costs. I think the danger for us in the desire God has for us and the desire we have for ourselves is that if we do it at the cost of losing sight of how God asks us to live, we are in danger of being God ourselves because control sets in, because personal desire trumps the way of God's way. We start to live and we start to tear out pages in this book because, well, we're in the 21st century now, so some of this isn't relevant anymore. uh uh-uh, wrong answer. God's word and God's way works. But it's a back-to-front type of life. And I wonder how many of us, if we're honest enough and open enough, would take a moment to look at our lives and ask the question, how much of my life in a natural sense is back-to-front, which in a spiritual sense is front to back. The way of the kingdom is a different way of here on earth. And I love Romans 11 because it reminds us, uh, in the Passion Translation, I love how it puts it, it reminds us to be in a place where we fully recognize who God is. Hey, let's for a moment remember in our striving to win, in in our... desire to get ahead in our life of purpose, not to lose sight that God is God. And as Pastor Paul puts it, he's not only God, God is good. Romans 11 says this, hey, who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God? Who could ever wrap their minds around the depth of his wisdom and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysteries he carries out, sorry, the mysterious ways he carries out his plans. Verse 34, for who has discovered how the Lord thinks? Anyone try to tell God you know better? Who's discovered it? Who is even wise enough to be the one that advises God of his plans? Hey, God, now's a good time. God, 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 we... We lose sight so easily of the reality of God. Verse 35, Or who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe them something in return? And because God is the source and sustainer of a few things. No. Because God is the source and sustainer of everything. Everything. Everything finds fulfillment in him. May all praise, may all honor be given to him forever. Amen. You know, I'm 35 years old. I, as I said, grew up in the church at the age of three. At a kids conference, kids camp, I made a decision for Jesus. At the age of nine, I remember sharing my first swear word to the world as I was getting picked on at school. It was on a Friday afternoon, and I remember it because that next Sunday, I wasn't going to kids' church. I was in big church because I knew they had an altar call, and I had to be down the front because I felt so guilty. (laughs) I remember it. It's a funny thing now looking back, but I remember these moments. At the age of 14, I got water baptized. It was a significant moment in my life, and I could tell you time after time, story after story about Things that I've seen that have gone well and things that have not gone to plan, naturally speaking. But one thing I will always be able to testify to is the reality that God is no one's debtor. That actually when we genuinely live God's way, we always come out on top. We always end up at the front of the line. Even when it feels like the decisions we have to make are putting us behind other people because the reality is if you live for self you'll end up with self but today i believe is a challenge and an opportunity for you online for us here in the auditorium to take a moment to say how much of self is still at work in my life you may think as a pastor or someone who's grown up in church this is not a reality for me newsflash i'm the same as you Newsflash, every single day that you and I have breath and we live on this earth, we have to make a conscious decision to live God's way. That's why a relationship with Jesus is not that one day when I was three years old and then everything's a bed of roses, but a daily relationship, a daily decision to say, you know what? I'm going to live God's way, even though naturally speaking, it may look back to front, God will always look after me. And so I want to take a few moments today to look at this concept, this idea of back to front out of this parable, and really it comes down to this winning and losing thought because we all want to win, but if we're all honest, there's areas of our life where we aren't winning, or there's moments we can point back to that feel like a great loss, and I believe it can be quite simple for us to acknowledge where we are living out from as the determining factor as to whether we are winning or losing so simply number one is this winning or losing in life comes out of where you live from are you living out of fairness or fruitfulness fairness or fruitfulness as we read earlier verse 12 to 14 those people only worked for an hour and yet you pay them as much as you paid us who've worked all day in the scorching heat valid point Naturally speaking, that makes sense. But what was the answer? Friend, I haven't been unfair. Wasn't it you that agreed? Just 12 hours earlier that this was all good? The reality about this parable is none of those hired workers, no matter when they got hired, none of them at the beginning of the day when they woke up had a job. Every single one of them left with fruit in their hand. But isn't it interesting as to the perspective as to whether people left ripped off or they left fruitful? Could it be that God has given you all that you need? Could it be that your season you're going through right now, albeit maybe a little tough on the left or the right, could it be that this is the season where you're looking for fairness, but God's challenging you to live fruitfulness. Could it be that we look at other people and say, God, it, it seems a little unfair that I've been in church my whole life, and I'm not allowed a worship lead, and then this monkey comes along, gets saved, has a radical conversion in six months. They're on the platform. What's going on there? Might be getting a bit too real now, but... <laughs> Fairness can take root in our heart if we don't protect our heart and make a decision to live out of fruitfulness. I think we would all say we're thankful we serve a gracious God. Because if you want to argue fairness, we wouldn't be here. Fairness wouldn't get you and I, Adam and Eve and anyone in between, anywhere. God gave everything, and we stuffed it up. Fairness would have been not to send Jesus. Fairness would have been no great eternity. Fairness isn't the point you and I want to argue, rather focus in on the fruitfulness of the grace he's given us. Because we don't deserve it, but he freely gives it. In Ephesians 3 verse 6, it says this, hey, this is God's plan, that both Gentiles and Jews, and if you understand the context, in the day, the Jews thought they were the only ones that were right, right in the sight of God. But when Jesus turns up on the scene, when the grace of God appears in its fullness, there was a new new day (laughs) where no one was exempt from a relationship with Jesus. Both Jew, Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. We don't deserve his grace, but he freely gives his grace. And so if you're here today, you're online and you're talking your way out of salvation, so to speak, because of what the week may have represented, what the morning looked like. Can I encourage you? His grace is for you. He doesn't look down upon heaven and point a bony finger saying, man, if only you'd done better. No, in fact, the Bible says, whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how good grace is. That's the fruitfulness you and I get to live in. But if we're not careful, as displayed in this parable, what we signed up for can quickly become our problem. So not just a fairness or fruitfulness, but a living out of this place for a winning and losing difference to me is whether we live out of obligation or opportunity. Obligation Or opportunity. Verse 10 and 11. When those hired first came to get their pay, they, what was the word? Assumed. They assumed they would receive more. Where did that assumption come from? Not from the owner. Where did that assumption come from? Comparison. In one moment of doing 12 hours work, Lining up to get their pay, they were first, they got put to the back of the queue. And the moment someone else got something that they deserved, it was the owner's decision, was now the moment that caused these guys to assume they were obliged to now get 12 times more because they did 12 hours, not one hour. They lived obligation, so to speak, rather than seeing the opportunity that landowner gave them. It's interesting to me, if we're not careful in church life, we can fall into the trap just like these workers. God brings opportunity, opportunity comes, and then all of a sudden, serving on the hosting team becomes an issue. Not again, has it been a fortnight? Jeepers, I feel like I was serving last week. What was an opportunity, wait, I'm. I, you're giving me the opportunity to build God's house? Is now a, oh my gosh, man, I've had a hard week. I'm obliged to do this. And so the smile that was genuine in opportunity is now a smile like your wedding day smile. Where you're like, these photos are taking forever. You know, I can't, I don't feel real. It's a, it, you know, when you're taking the photos, it's like, eh. I've been doing this for three hours, babe. Can we, can we just go to the reception now? <laughs> like there's this smile, but it's not a smile. You know what I'm talking about? No? Just me? Okay. <laughs> Romans 4, verse 4 to 5 says this. Hey, realize when people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness... It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. Here's the key. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. It is faith. It's the belief. That God is God and God is good. That even though my upline may not be seeing this, God sees it. That even though I may not be fulfilling what I think is my gift and my call, I'm gonna trust that this is what God's got for me right now. This is the opportunity, not the obligation. Here's where you can identify whether it's gone one of two ways. The statement is either we have to do this or we get to do this opportunity or obligation. Because when you live obligated, you lose. But when you live with an opportunity spirit, you win. So not just fairness or fruitfulness, not just obligation or opportunity, but another way I'd put it, a third way to look at it would be whether you live with envy or enjoyment. I've got an uncle, Uncle Josh, and he is an incredible uncle. I've got many uncles, but Uncle Josh stands out because he is always encouraging and enjoying life. Every time I see him, he could be in a challenging place, but he's always living enjoyment because he finds enjoyment even in the toughest place. There's nothing like meeting someone who's envious. It's like, "Mm, stay away from me. Envy or enjoyment. Another way you'd put it is, are you living content with life or discontent? Are you always trying to find contentment? and you're living discontent, or are you in a place where you're content? As I said earlier, this passage shows us that comparison really helps us. Our comparison should be against His Word, not what other people are living. But the challenge for you and I is, if this collects dust sitting on our little mantelpiece at home, then all we will see is other people's lives and not His Word. If your insight to His Word is 35 minutes of a preacher on a Sunday once a week and the rest of your week, it's not in existence, it's going to be really challenging to lose comparison because of all that you see. The back-to-front type of life for me is one where we live at God's way and actually, I can genuinely say that there has been many a tough time in church life, many a tough time for me being a Christian but I've enjoyed every single step of it. And I'm more excited and more passionate and more on fire 35 years later, so to speak, than I ever have been. Why? Because when you live God's way, you discover it works. And actually, I may feel like society's putting me to the back of the queue and the decisions I'm making, but every single time, God to, continues to amaze me that I'm at the front of the queue because I've lived God's way. Psalm 103 verse 8 to 17 puts it this way. Hey, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Here's the good news. He's slow to get angry and he is filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is to the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers. I don't think we remember this sometimes. He remembers we are only dust. And this is where it gets a little bit sharp on the, on the sword. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. Yay. (laughs) The wind blows, and guess what? We're as gone as though we had never been here. Real encouraging. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him, with those who do life His way, with those that commit to live back to front. And then finally, as I bring this to a close, not just the fairness or faithfulness, not just the obligation or opportunity, the envy or enjoyment, but I do believe the winning and losing in life really does come from a decision point as to where you live out from, whether you're whining or worshiping. Whining or worshiping. See, this is the difference between us Knowing it all ourselves or trusting that God knows what he's doing. See, so when I say worship, you probably think, yeah, those three songs that we started the service with. That's a form of worship. But if I am here on earth as a human being to worship God, it comes down to a trust issue. Will I trust God with my finance? Will I trust God with my time? Will I trust God with my family, with my kids? Will I trust God with my life? Or am I in a place where it's like, hey, God, have you not seen this? God, I'm not where I wanted to be. God, why about them? And we start the whining concept. Team are gonna come and join me, but my eldest child, Ruby, is a great whiner. And as a dad... I have found myself constantly saying this when she comes in. This is the tone. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Dad. And I find myself doing this. Ruby, turn around. Get out. (laughs) I love her, but two reasons. Number one, it's a really annoying tone. But number two, she is coming to the conversation with a prerequisite, of her perspective. So I say to Ruby, Ruby, stop, turn around. When you're ready for a conversation, come back and talk to me. Yes, she's only seven. But I want her to be a world changer so she can learn this early. But, Dad, no, 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 Dad, no, no. Literally, turn around, move out the door. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. The moment she comes in and says, hey, Dad, we got a conversation happening. The moment the conversation goes to the tone of whining. Now, I'm not looking for my daughter to worship me. I'm looking for my daughter to trust me. And if there's anything I can encourage you with is to check your internal motivation for the conversation with God Almighty. As good as He is and as loving as He is, He is still God. What makes Him God? Well, the simplest way I can sum it up in a few short sentences is He can do things you and I can't. But in our pursuit of happiness, in our pursuit of life, in our pursuit of getting to the front of the line, we sometimes fail to realize we're talking to the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Hey, Dad... And I think God's a far more loving father than me, so not for a minute am I suggesting he puts his hand up and says, turn around, get out the door. But I do wonder what it does in us. Because when Ruby approaches the conversation with me when there isn't a prerequisite, because it's generally Bella did this or Cruz did that, or there's this vying for her right to be right. That I find it really hard to engage in the conversation because A, it's annoying, but B, I'm not actually going to get anywhere because you've already decided before you've even come in and talked to me. And the difference for me between whining and worshiping is simply that, a coming to God, not knowing it all, but a coming to God and trusting Him with it all. I don't know what that represents or looks like for you online or here in the auditorium. But I do know this is a tension point that ultimately causes us to either live with a winning outcome or a losing one. Because when something goes wrong, if it's God's fault, chances are we're whining. If something goes wrong and we press in. And say, God, I need you more than ever. We start to win because we realize even though my circumstance may not have shifted right now, I serve the God who has all power, all authority. He created it all, he's in control, he's the Alpha, He's the me- Omega, He's the everything in between, and I can trust Him with my life. So I will worship Him. Right. Jeremiah 9:23 to 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Hey. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. When we realize God is not just our Father, but He's the King of the universe. <laughs> the God of all gods. The King of all kings. The Lord of all lords. The God who's done it before, who's doing it right now, and will do it again, is your God. You can come to Him with a worship posture. That's not weakness. That is strength, because His Word reminds us, at our weakest moment, He is now at His strongest. When we worship and trust in Him. And so I want to encourage you to commit to living God's way. It might be back to front here on earth, so to speak, but it is always front to back in the way of God because He is the God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is the God who heals. He is the God who sees. He is the God who knows. He is the God who is faithful from one generation to another. But you and I need to choose to live his way and in that place we see his way be outworked in our life thanks for listening to this podcast we trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message you always have a place to call home here at life and we invite you to join us for our sunday services at our adelaide campus if you'd like to know more about life then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the life adelaide app and stay connected